everybody, for those that I haven't greeted yet, and yeah, Happy New Year. Um, I hope this is a, a blessed time for you, um, even today, you know, we, we can only live day by day, right? We don't know how long time is still going to go on. Uh, we don't know when the Lord is coming back to fetch us. Uh, that may happen today. We were hoping for it to happen tonight, but I'm sure it might happen today. And we should keep the faith uh, in that. that. That's where our hope lies, right? Is, is that the Lord is coming back to fetch us. Uh, you can turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 3 this morning. Titus chapter 3. Um, I've been preaching, well, teaching so long out of First Peter that I think most of you probably turned there <laughs> instinctively when I stood up. But Titus ch chapter 3. I left my water there, sorry. Got to oil the machine. All right, ch Titus chapter 3. Now this morning we will spend most of our time between verses 3 and 7. Uh, with the main point of this being that remember, we should remember that Jesus saved us and what he saved us from as well. You know, we were just singing, revive us again, and I believe this is the first step uh, for, for those Christians, for those of us that may have, let's call it mellowed down, you know, beca became a bit lukewarm or maybe a bit cold uh, towards the things of the Lord. Well, the, the best way to start reviving yourself and, and being revived again is by thinking of where you came from and what the Lord did for us. You know, we read there in, in Revelation how the Lord um, spoke to, I believe, the church of Ephesians and, and said that, you know, they have left their first love and that they should return to that. And once again, I, I believe this is the best way to do that or, or a great start at least. Now, in most church services, as most of you should be aware by now, we have a mix in the congregation. And what I mean by that is we have people that are already saved, they're already grounded in the Lord and, and they're running the race, you know. And we, we have people that absolutely don't have a clue what I mean when I say that there are people that are saved. And that's fine. Don't, you know, we're not making fun of you if you don't know. If you don't know, you just don't know. And I hope you'll learn that today. And then we also have those people that think that they are saved, but in fact they are really lost, which is also a very dangerous place to be. Now, I realize that many of us here uh, today are saved, and, and you know what it means to be saved, and that's a good thing, you know, because church is primarily for the children of God. It's for people that are saved. Of course, we welcome unbelievers in as well, you know, and, and we, we try to evangelize them in that way. We don't have a hidden agenda as far as that is concerned. We want you to be saved. And, um, and so definitely we welcome them. But I want to encourage those people that are saved already, that are grounded already, please don't let your mind wander today. Please don't turn it off and say, okay, he's going to preach about the gospel again. I can look out the window for a bit. <laughs> I can see if you're looking out the window today. <laughs> I'm going to call you out. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, but, but this is really useful for us. In fact, Paul wrote this. in. Look at verse 8. We're in Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. He said that this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. He wants us to affirm these things constantly in the church. Now, of course, as, um, as those, some of you may know that Paul wrote this to a young pastor. So this is the instruction to a young pastor. Affirm these things constantly in the church. The people, remind them of this. He, he continues, he says, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good 
and profitable unto men. So the things we're going to talk about today is good and profitable for all of us. Whether you're saved or not, or think that you're saved, doesn't matter. It's going to be profitable for you, I believe so. Now, like I said, we have a mixed crowd here today, which means that not everybody here is saved, of course. Now, some of you think that you are saved because of something that happened in your life. Or maybe you did something at some point and you think, well, because I did that, I must be saved. I'll be fine with God whenever I get to the pearly gates, as people say, you know, um, God's going to let me in. That may not be the case. Um, some of you may be striving for things right now and you think that, well, as long as I keep on this road and I keep on striving towards this goal, whenever I reach that goal, then God is going to be happy with me and then I'll be saved. And then some of you may not even know, like I said, what I'm talking about when I say that some of us are saved today. Saved from what? And that's fine if you ask that question. Saved from what? Please ask that question. That's a fair question to ask. Um, because as Christians, we normally just say, well, we're saved, we're happy we're saved, and then the rest of the people don't have a clue what we're talking about. And I would like to encourage you today, as I, as I do with my children as well, ask questions. Ask questions. If you don't ask, you're never going to know. If it's important enough uh, for you, you must ask a question. But my prayer today is that you will walk out of here today and understand what it means to be saved, why you need it, and also how you can be saved. But in whichever group you fall today, I believe that there is definitely something um, profitable for you in this text that we're going to look at today. But I think let's first bow our heads and we'll pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we need your help. We always need your help. And so we ask for that today. And Lord, we ask that you will please open up your word for us. Show us what you need us to know, Lord. Um, each person in here today needs something different, Lord. And you, you know <laughs> each person. You just don't just know about them. You know them, Lord. You know what we need. Please come and speak to us today, and um, Lord, will you please keep the enemy away today so that we don't walk out of here and our minds are just empty again. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being with us here today. Amen. Amen. All right, so like I said, the main text that we're going to look at starts there in verse 3, but I would like for us to start reading there in verse 1 just to get a feel for the context here as well. So let's read Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. So he's speaking to Titus, and, and he's saying, put them in mind, who's the them? It's the church, right? So put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Now we can spend a lot of time in these two verses, um, because there are just so many things to talk about here, and so many rabbit trails to go off of. And we've spoken about many of these things and similar things uh, during our study in First Peter as well. But Paul is telling Titus here that he should remind believers that, that he is ministering to, to stay subject to the government, to obey the government. How do you do that? <laughs> All right? We don't want to do that. Why, why do you tell us that? All right? He says, do not speak evil of anybody, not even if they are in government. Wow, how do we do that? He says we, we shouldn't be brawlers. We shouldn't be constantly picking a fight with people. Um, and I know some people have a very fiery 
disposition, you know, and, and they like to pick fights. We should not do that. He says, instead, we should be ready for every good work, even towards those people. We should be gentle, and we should show meekness to what? They're at the end of verse 2. To all men. To all men. And if you look at, the, uh, look at this list, it, it all boils down to basically having a good testimony, right? Uh, which is, in fact, Paul's point here, I believe. And as a child of God, you need to be aware that the Lord changes so many things in your life from the moment that you get saved and after that. So many things that you, that you may start to think that, well, I don't have to obey the government because they're just a bunch of evil, corrupt people. They're just a bunch of sinners. Why should I, why should I obey them? Um, you, may, you may get high-minded in, in, in that sense. Or you can start to think that you are somehow better than other people since you are the one that's saved and you don't take part in those sins anymore and wow that's so gross you know the stuff that they're doing um and and you can put your nose in the air you know in in that sense and we need to be careful of that we really should be careful of that we should not start to think that we are better than other people we are better off than sinners but we are not better than them I hope that makes sense, right? As believers, we are better off than unbelievers since our sins were washed away, all right? We will never have to suffer in hell for our sins, ever. Not even a little bit like the Catholics say. There's nothing like that, you know, since Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins, every single one of them. The Lord is always with us, and He is working in us constantly, uh, through His Spirit, day by day, to, to conform us into the image of Christ. That's a work that will continue until that wonderful day that we're looking forward to. That day when He's going to come down with the clouds, you know, and we're going to meet Him there in the air, and we're going to be with Him forever, uh, for all of eternity. Until then, that work is going to continue. So we are constantly changing. But that's what I mean, that we are better off than unbelievers in that sense. The difference between us and them is the grace of God. That's it. That's the difference. And we need to be reminded of that because the danger is that we might start to get puffed up with pride you know, and start to think that we are better than all the people that are around us because we are the ones that are saved and they are not. You know, as if we did something great so that the Lord decided, oh, well, well that's a great guy, let me save him. That, that never happened. You know, I, I read these, sometimes you see it on a bumper sticker or you, somebody sends you a meme or something like that, and, and it, it says something of the effect of, I am proud to be a child of God. And I, I get the sentiment around that, right? I'm, I'm, it's more of, I'm thankful, you know, I'm glad, and, and all of that. I'd rather say that then, because <laughs> if you say that I am proud to be a son of God, it almost sounds like you achieved it somehow, but you didn't. There was nothing that you did for the Lord to say, well, I want you to be, as my, to be my child. You know, you've already got a gold star on your head. Let me, let me bring you in here. That's not how it works. But you see, it's when our heads start to swell with pride that we start to look down on our fellow man and we start to fail um, in the command that Jesus gave us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Because you won't do that, you know, if you think that you're better than somebody else. How, how can you love him in that way if, if you don't think that we are equal? And I, I think that is partly what Paul is getting at here. We need to focus on being gentle 
and meek to those people that we interact with, all the people, all men, right? Even though they may not be saved. You know, shortly after I was born again, a friend invited me um, to join a ministry that they had where they went to the prison here in Poch. And we basically had Bible studies with the inmates there uh, on a weekly basis. And I was interested in joining that, but I remember for the first time, I was very nervous, you know, because the only <laughs> image that you have in your mind about prison is the stuff you see in movies, you know, that's and stuff on TV, that's, it's not good. And um, so, yeah, I was, I was a bit nervous, and they told us, well, we'll go into the maximum security area, and me being so ignorant, I thought, well, this is the worst of the worst. They're going to put us there with the worst of the worst. I hope they're chained up, all right? <laughs> That's basically it. Uh, after a while, I realized, and somebody told me that maximum security only means that these people have a longer time left on their sentence to serve, you know, before they can go free. So I got that. But we would break into groups and we would um, start Bible studies. And, but before we would even do that, we had time to stand around and chat with some of the inmates there. Uh, because it was on a Saturday, you know, they had some leisure time and so on. So some of the guys were playing volleyball and, um, and other guys were just standing around. So we had a time to chat with them. And you would chat with them about anything, really. You know, just about everyday things or... Um, you know, there were some things that you weren't allowed to say, of course, for safety reasons, but um, we would just chat with them, and they wouldn't necessarily tell you why they were in there. It wouldn't necessarily come up, and I, I didn't always feel free to ask such a thing. It, but mostly, so some of them told you, mostly you didn't know. It didn't really matter. But I clearly remember how it struck me that I was not much different than those guys in there. Um, you know, th that were locked up there. Um, I had sins of my own, and before I met Christ, uh, well, those sins just didn't break the law of the country, and that's why I was not in jail and they were. That, that's the great realization that I had there at that moment, that before Christ, there wasn't much of a difference, if, if anything. You know, we had different backgrounds and stuff like that, but as far as sins are concerned, we, we were the same. And that realization really kept me from uh, inflating my own head with pride against those guys and to be able to serve them and minister to them in a, in a much better way than, than I would otherwise. Before I went in, I thought, well, we're going to, you know, these bad people, they're in jail. And that's kind of the, the thought that we have. When you meet them, you see that they're just people just like us, people that messed up, and we mess up as well. Um, I realized that I wasn't better than them. I was just better off because I met the Lord. I, I know the Lord, and it wasn't just because I could leave the prison and they had to stay there. <laughs> it was because I knew the Lord. And that fired me up to do my very best to proclaim the gospel in that place. With every opportunity that I had, I tried my best uh, there are stories around that where, where I couldn't really, uh, some of the guys shut me down on that, but I really tried my best to bring the gospel to those people because they need it as well, just like we needed it before we were saved. There's no difference as far as that is concerned. So that, that was a very important lesson to learn in my life, that we are, I am not better than those people at all. Now look at verse 3, and and. Paul continues, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, 
serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So one way, and I think this might be the best way, to deflate that prideful head of yours is, is, uh, and to be gentle and meek towards all men is to think back to your past life, is to think about where you came from before you were saved and, and to remember who and what you were back then that we were sinners, and, and that we were just as bad, if not worse, than the people we encounter on a daily basis now. And we would do ourselves a favor to reflect on that once in a while. And I think with this being New Year's, you know, people take time to take stock a bit, and Brother Mike, you spoke about that a little bit earlier. Maybe it's time to reflect on that now as well, while we have some downtime. That's not to say that we think about those things um, that we did to somehow feel guilty about them again. That's not what we're trying to do. We shouldn't feel guilty about them again. We shouldn't try to make ourselves pay for all of those things that we did before we were saved. That's not the point. In fact, if you are saved, you have no reason to feel guilty about those sins because they were paid for. All of them were paid for already by the, that huge sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. All of it is paid for, and you are washed clean of all of those sins. So they're gone. But we think back on the type of person that we were. We think back on the type of life that we led before we met Christ to instill a sense of gratitude in us and a sense of humility that we really need. We always need a dose of humility. It helps us to, to have a realistic perspective of the people that we deal with on a daily basis. It helps us to obey the scriptures and the kind of scriptures that we find, uh, like we saw here in verse 1 and verse 2, that com commands us to obey the government. How on earth do I <laughs> obey the government? Is to remember that you were just as, uh, as a rotten sinner as they are. That, that's a good way to start. Do not speak evil of anybody and to treat everyone with gentleness and meekness. It enables us to do that because we recognize that we were in that exact same state as they find themselves in, which is they are lost, they are still in their sin, they are without Christ, they are without hope in this world. So how long has it been since you've thought about that? Do you remember what it was like to chase after sin like that? Can you remember? Can you remember what it was like to just serve all of your own fleshly lusts, to run after that and whatever pleasures you could get from that? Do you remember the foolishness that you were caught up in? Can, can you remember how easily you were deceived by a bunch of things? So easy. <laughs> Do you remember how you just harbored this malice in your heart? What malice is, is you have ill will towards other people and you just, or you want to harm other people. Maybe you didn't act on it, but Perhaps you had that in your heart. Do you remember that? Do you remember all the hatred that you had in your heart towards other people? That hate that you just carried with you everywhere. Once again, you may not have acted on it, but do you remember that hate? Whenever you saw people like that, you know, or, or that person or whatever, the, the hate that you carried with you. Um, now, the kind of hatred that I'm talking about here specifically is not the kind of hatred that you might have towards somebody that did something terrible against you or a loved one. We can chat about that as well. But what I'm specifically referring to is hating somebody for no reason at all. No real reason. And I think the best example that I could think of about this is, of course, racism. Isn't that what racism is? is you hate somebody because of 
the color of their skin or because they have a different culture than the culture that you have. So you don't understand why they do things the way that they do it, <laughs> and so you hate them. That's no reason at all to hate anybody. We should strive to understand. But that's what the things that we did before we were saved. Now, there are many other lists like this in the New Testament that, that Paul constantly brings up because he wants to affirm this constantly in the churches. Um, similar lists that have maybe have different sins in them as well, and uh, we're not going to turn to them today um, just for the sake of time, but we can go in there and we can drill through every kind of sin and, and the meanings behind them. But instead of doing that, I would encourage you today to rather look back on your own life. What are the things that you were guilty of? Do you remember? Paul wrote in, in Ephesians chapter 2 um, and verse 1 that we were dead in trespasses and sins before we were saved. There in Ephesians 2 verse 2 he said that in time past ye walked, that's us, ye walked, according to the course of this world. You did the exact same things that the world does now. That's the stuff you were busy with. He says that you walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Who's the prince? The prince of the power of the air. That's the devil, isn't it? That's Satan, <laughs> all right? You did the stuff that he wanted you to do. That's what we did before we were saved. All of us. That's what an unbeliever is like right now. And that's where we came from before we met Christ. And I'll remind you that, that we were damned to go to hell and to end up in the lake of fire for all of eternity as a punishment for those things that we did. And we deserved it. We would have deserved it. And God would have been right in sending us there. And folks, if you're not saved today, well then I'm afraid to say that's what you have to look forward to if you die in your sins. doesn't give me any pleasure to say that. But you can look forward to an eternal punishment in a lake of fire because you have sinned against Almighty God. What a thought. Look at verse 4. Paul says, But after that, after what? After all the sins that we've committed. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. This is amazing, isn't it? You know, God looked at our pitiful, dirty, sinful state, and He loved us. He loved us. He didn't just write us off as a loss. He loved us. In Ephesians 2, Paul says that we were by nature children of wrath which is a fitting description of a lost sinner, any lost sinner. And John the Baptist said that the wrath of God abides on those that are lost, you know, abides on sinners. And, and, and these guys said things like this, sorry, because the wrath of God will be poured out onto sinners if they die in their sinful state. That is what is going to happen. But right now, the wrath of God hangs over their heads, like, almost like a sword hanging over your head, just waiting to strike. And if you die in your sins, it will strike and it will destroy you. Because if you don't repent and put your faith in Christ for your salvation, God will be just and His holy justice 
will be served against you if he punishes you in that way. It's a hard saying, I know. But it is the truth. But now we also know that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? We know that from Second Peter 3. And so God looked down on us, and He showed His loving kindness towards us by, by reaching out to us in the form of His own Son. Isn't that exactly what we celebrated last week, right? That Jesus came to earth in the form of a man so that He could live and finally die for our sins, to pay the penalty on our behalf. That's what we celebrated. Paul said in, in Romans 5 verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly. He died for the ungodly. That's us, folks. He died for us. We were the ungodly. In Romans 5 verse 10, he, he calls us the enemies of God. But he continues in Romans 5 verse, 6, uh, verse 7 sorry, by saying, For scarcely... Sorry, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure, perhaps, all right, for a good man, some would even dare to die. And we've seen that in the past, you know, you've got these political figures rising up, and some of the guys will actually, you know, throw them in front of bullets for these, for these men. So, and, and they think they're good men or whatever, we don't have to debate that now, but some people would even dare to die for that, those kind of people. But then in Romans verse chapter 5 verse 8 we read but God I love the but God parts in the Bible by the way but God commendeth his love toward us he proved his love and showed it to us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he died for us even though we were sinners horrible enemies of God so instead of just condemning you and, and sending you off to a lake of fire like you deserved, He lovingly and kindly and gently reached out to you and provided a way for you to be set free from your sin and from the penalty of sin. <laughs> That's what He saved us from. You know, Paul says in, in, in verse 6 here that God abundantly shed his, his love and kindness on us. You can read verse 6, which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. His loving kindness in saving us was without measure. That's abundantly. It's more than enough. That's what it means. It was without measure. And he did that, Paul says in verse 5, let's read verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. So many people... So many people try to save themselves by doing all sorts of things that they think will make up for their sin. I've asked people many times, you know, after explaining what's going to happen to them if they die in their sins, uh, um, you know, or if they die right now, you know, after explaining to them how it all works in the Bible, and what are they going to do about their problem? That's the question. What are you going to do about this problem that you've sinned and you deserve to go to that lake of fire? And so many times the answer comes back, well, I better start going to church. Or, you know what, I'm going to start to pray. Or they'll say uh, something of the effect of, okay, I'll stop doing these bad things, I'm going to start doing some good things. And I guess that's a natural reaction if you are confronted with it for the first time, I guess. But folks, if you think about it for a little bit, it becomes obvious that you cannot save yourself by doing any good thing. You can't do that. 
You can't save yourself by doing all of that. You know, it's impossible. It, it would be like a serial killer, you know, that is standing in court trying to defend himself by saying, well, I regularly helped out in this and this charity. So, judge, you must pronounce me innocent. <laughs> that's insane, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's insane. Now, sure, helping out at a charity is a good thing to do, it, but it has nothing to do with that man's case. Nothing. Now, okay, you may call me out for making a silly comparison, I don't know, but, but that is exactly what you are trying to do if you try to save yourself with your own so-called righteous works, to, to, to obtain your own righteousness in that way. And think about this. If there was a way for you to save yourself by doing a bunch of good things, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he have to do that? If there was any other way for us to be saved, then Jesus really wasted his time and his effort by going through all of what he did. It was a big waste. So Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that we were without strength. We could not save ourselves at all. And as we see here, our works couldn't save us either. <laughs> There's nothing that could save us um, except for Christ. So we needed somebody else to save us. And you can't save me because you have your own sin to deal with, and I can't save you because I have my own sin to deal with. So we have a problem. We need somebody. So God, according to His mercy, saved us. Jesus Christ, our Savior, as He's called there in verse 6, saved us through this immense sacrifice that He made for us on the cross. And He saved us on an individual level by washing us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 5 again. Let's read the entire one thing again. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So this is what Jesus spoke about you know, when, he, when He spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when He said, you must be born again. To be born again means to get a new life. So you must get a new life. That's, that, that was his point there. And the only way to get a new life was to receive it from God, or it is to receive it from God when you put your faith in Christ alone to save you. That's the only way. And so now you have a sinner, and he's without strength, and without God, without hope in this world, and he's utterly unable to save himself. And he's headed towards damnation. And when he comes to faith in Christ for his salvation, God comes into him and he washes his soul clean from all of those sins with the very blood of Christ that was shed for us. And he regenerates him by giving him a new life. A brand new life. And it really is a new life, folks. Do you remember how everything changed? That moment when you came to faith in Christ? I don't mean your circumstances, okay? The circumstances may have stayed the same. They may have gotten worse. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what happened to you in the, on the inside. I remember it clearly, like it was yesterday. You know, I, I remember how my desires started to change. It really did. Um, before I desired to do a bunch of sin, a bunch of things, 
and I had next to no interest in the things of God. It was a little bit of interest, but really not, not much. Uh, I think it might have been because of the friends I hung out with. They were Christians, so maybe that's where I got it from. But I didn't desire God at all. And now, after I got saved, I only desired Christ. I only wanted to know more about Him. I only wanted to know, know Him better. I only wanted to walk with Him. That's all I wanted in life at that stage. That's all I wanted. Some of my habitual sins, you know, dried up right there and then as soon as I got saved. That was amazing. That's a miracle, by the way. And I was a new man. <laughs> and I belonged to Jesus. Do you remember that? When that happened to you? Now lastly, in verse 7, he says that being justified uh, by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He justified us by His grace. It is by His grace that our sins are forgiven uh, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It is by His grace that the righteousness of God gets gets placed on our account and we become righteous in the eyes of God, the one that sees through everything. <laughs> we become righteous in His eyes because of Christ. You see, justice demands that our sins must be paid for. And we could not pay for our own sins at all. There was absolutely nothing that we could give God that would satisfy His justice or His demands for justice in that sense and, and so that we can be made righteous. There was nothing you could give. But that is what Jesus did. That's what He came to do. He paid for our sins because we couldn't. We couldn't pay for it. By the way, that's why the punishment is for eternity, because there's no way you can pay back for your sins. But by the grace of God, and by His kindness, and His love, and His mercy towards us, justice was satisfied when we come to faith in Christ. We didn't deserve that payment that was made for us at all. We certainly did not deserve to be saved, to be justified, or to be regenerated. We didn't deserve eternal life at all. But that is why it's called grace. That's why that word is used. It, 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 is, it is by the grace of God that justice is, is satisfied in Jesus Christ, which is why we can then be declared as justified, as Paul says here. And now that he justified us, he also, <laughs> this is amazing, he adopted us as his children. God adopted us as his children, which according to Romans 8 verse 17 means that we are heirs of God, like Paul said here, but then he also says there in Romans, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's too big for me. <laughs> that's that, that, that's too much. It's such a big thought, my, my brain can't take it. But in short, what it means is one day, when He comes to fetch us from this place, which can happen at any moment, uh, we're going to receive glorified bodies, the same kind of body, the same model, all right, like He had when He rose again from the dead. We will be with Him forever. We will have communication with Him face to face. face to face, we will get to rule with Him in His kingdom. All of that, and it all comes from the loving kindness 
and the mercy of God. He saved us. He saved us. And so if you are saved today, I want to encourage you. Take some time. Go sit in a quiet spot. Maybe do it after the service. Take some time and reflect on what Jesus saved you from. All of our stories are different, but they're similar, right? I was in sin, but Jesus came and he saved me. Think about that. Think, think where you were, where you are now, how he's changed you. Remember what he saved you from. Remember what it means. And let that motivate you to go forward, to run this race. Let's run this race. And that's, that's, that's the hope that we have. As we place our hope in Jesus Christ alone. Now, like I said at the beginning, I, I recognize that not everybody here is saved today. You might not know. I hope you know by now what it means. Um, but if you didn't understand it, please come and speak to us. <laughs> we would love to help you. Even if you have to ask the same question ten times. Ask the question ten times. But get the answer. Get to it so that you can, can understand it and so that you can put your faith in Christ to be saved. That's the only way to be saved, by the way, is to put your faith in Christ. And I'd like to encourage you to do that. Reach out to me, reach out to our pastor. There are many people here that can help you if you need that help, but please do that if you need more information. Let's all stand and we can bow our heads and close our eyes and Brother Mike's going to close the service for us. All right, we'll take just a moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. The pianist is coming. Play something softly. And you've been encouraged this morning to remember. Just take a moment and remember. You know what you heard all through this sermon this morning? You heard the gospel. You, you heard the gospel. Now you might be thinking, well, that's pretty basic stuff and I've heard it all before. It doesn't hurt you to hear it again. Because it reminds you of where your life pivoted. Bible says if therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. But that verse says if if So friend this morning you're either in Adam or in Christ. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Have you been born again? A few weeks ago, I took my daughter on a date, my 13-year-old, and I was telling her a few stories from my old life, sparing all the details that didn't need to be discussed, but just introducing her to the Mike Flick before Christ. She was shocked. All she's ever known is a saved dad. I was just like any other sinner. Wretched. Miserable. Poor. Blind. 
then one day he found me. One day Jesus passed by and nothing's ever been the same. I don't know the whole song, but there's a song I, I used, to, used to listen to it often. If you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, you would know the reason why I love Him so. That's why we go on and on about the Gospel. So in a moment, we'll close. I know some of you are still reflecting on this, and I'm glad for that. Let me just double up by telling you what Francois said as well. If you have questions about this, if you're not sure that you're saved, just a moment, we'll close the service, but you come, come privately, right? You can come find me. We won't make a public thing of this. We'll just take you aside privately, show you from the Bible how you can be sure. Father, we rejoice this morning because when we showed up at your doorstep, we had nothing to offer. We deserved punishment, rebuke, condemnation, wrath. And as we knocked at that door in our wretchedness and sinfulness, Lord, you in mercy took us in. Thank you for the wonderful forgiveness, for the amazing grace. Thank you for what we have to look forward to, not just in this year, but in the years to come, for all eternity, gathered around the throne, singing about how you redeemed us by your blood out of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation. Father, perhaps somebody is not saved here today. Might you please work on their heart? Draw them, Lord, with these cords of love that only you can, only you can draw them with. Fathers, we start off this new year. We, we desire to have your hand on us. We desire to seek your face and your strength continually. Father, help us never to lose sight of how great it was that you saved us. Thank you so much for loving us the way you do. Lord, help us today now to worship you accordingly. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you so much.